Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. From the ragged heart of the Rust Belt, this is Great Lakes Confidential with your hosts, Angie and Marty. Good morning. Good morning. Time for Great Lakes Confidential with Sleepy Angie <laughs> and Marty. Party Marty up all Marty. night. <laughs> so, listeners, I recently went back to work and I went from working like two hours a day babysitting to working eight hours a day, four days a week in a not a super labor intensive job, but I'm on my feet a lot and I'm dealing with a lot of, I work in a flower shop. So I'm working with, I'm dealing with customers, I'm cleaning, I'm helping with flowers, I'm doing all sorts of stuff. And for somebody to go from leaving your house for two hours a day to being gone for nine hours a day. Yeah, it's an adjustment. It's, yeah. So, and then Marty works nights, three nights a week. So Getting getting on our on our recording schedule has been a little bit difficult. You know, the whole world is opening back up. I know, and it's crazy to me, and I'm not... And our presence is requested. I'm not 100% ready. <laughs> so it's currently 7 a.m. We're getting this recording in at the last minute possible because it has to be up tonight. So if I sound funny, it's because I literally just rolled out of bed. Like, Everybody understands. It's so... Good. Bear with us. We're going to get through this show. So today we're going to talk about corduroy roads and plank roads because, well, first of all, it was suggested in one of the Facebook groups that we talk about it. But second of all, now is the season for uh, everybody to to realize how Swiss cheesy our roads are mm-hmm. <laughs> with all these potholes. And I thought it would be interesting to kind of see how they used to get around long long time ago yeah so do you know what a corduroy road is i have never heard of a corduroy. what about road? a plank road well i know of an old plank road okay. uh, it's the name of a road it is called old plank road it's out uh near novi okay all yeah. right so it's a- kind of like the uh like runs parallel to 696 out there or 96 out there sorry it's not 696 at novi okay so that's that's the name of the road, mm-hmm. or that's actually... That's the name of the road, okay. Old Plank Road. So I imagine at some point, it was a plank road. Yeah, probably. 
Probably. Which I would like to know more about. Yeah. So a corduroy road is also called a log road, which is a type of road or timber trackway made by placing logs perpendicular to the direction of the road over a low or swampy area. The result is an improvement over impassable mud or dirt roads, yet rough in the best conditions and a hazard to horses due to shifting loose Mm -hmm. logs. So it's just a bunch of logs set (laughs) in a row, basically. Corduroy roads can also be built as a foundation for other surfacing. If the logs are buried in wet, acidic, anaerobic soils, such as peat or muskig, they decay very slowly. Oh, yeah. That's... A few corduroy road foundations that date back to the early 20th century still exist in North America. So, yeah, they've been around for a long time, but some of them, I mean, most of them are still covered. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Do you have any examples of any yeah. old corduroy roads? Yep. In Grand Haven Township in 2017, so fairly recently that this was discovered, a group of construction workers were digging up a street and uncovered about 100 feet of corduroy road dating back to the Civil War era. The road was discovered beneath 168th Avenue. Local officials believe the corduroy road was built around 1855 when the area was a logging town. There's another section of corduroy road beneath 144th Avenue. Interesting. Yeah. So then this one is really, really kind of cool. Hall's Trace. Have you ever heard of Hall's Trace? Mm-mm. Hall's Trace, which linked to Detroit and Ohio, was to be the Michigan Territory's inland lifeline during the War of 1812. Mm. However, the Detroit River and Lake Erie gave the British easy access to the Michigan portion of the road. American efforts to use the road to bring supplies and men to Frenchtown, which is present-day Monroe, were foiled twice before Hall surrendered Detroit on August 16th of 1812. After the war, the Hall's Trace route was used for ever-improving roads, beginning in 1817 with a new military road. In 2000, low water levels in the Huron River revealed a quarter mile of the old corduroy road lying three to six feet beneath Jefferson Avenue. Axe marks were visible on some of the logs. This rare example of a surviving corduroy road is listed in the National Register of Historic Places. Very cool. Yeah. And then... Territorial Road is one of the oldest roads in the Battle Creek area. Over a century ago, it stretched from southwest Michigan all the way to Detroit. Construction in 2016 unearthed logs that made up the road, and the Battle Creek Regional History Museum posted on their Facebook page that they were seeking people who wished to preserve the logs. The extremely large logs were stacked up on the corner of Territorial Road and Woodrow Avenue for anyone who wanted some. So there's a... I looked it up. Because the article that I found this information in had a link uh, to their Facebook page. And so Mm -hmm. I looked at it and it was literally just a giant pile of of logs. I mean, very, very. They remind me of like railroad ties, but round like logs. And yeah, they just kind of sent them to the side and were like, yo, if you guys want some, come and grab them. And the person that was writing the article was like, yeah, I wanted some, but realized that transporting them would have been a ridiculous feat because they're so big. Yeah. And it's like, because she wanted to use them for like landscaping in her in her yard, which would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. But, she, you know, there was just not a really feasible way for her to, to get them to her home. So you should have hired somebody to do something with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I pretty cool. I wonder what they actually did with them. I didn't find any information on what happened with them. Like, if other people came and 
picked up enough yeah, of them. Yeah, sawed up and crashed. Yeah, those. yeah. Like what happened to them? Come I'd... get your piece of the old corduroy <laughs> road. Right. I'd be curious to know if anybody's listening and they know somebody that snatched up a piece of that. Maybe you have a plaque in your house that's made out of the old corduroy road. Maybe. Yeah. Welcome home. Yeah. Uh, every time I say corduroy road, I think of Old Town Road. The song yeah. is that weird. No, I mean, the, the fact that it just started playing is weird. <laughs> That's my alarm telling me it's time to get up. I gotcha. From the Flint River to Royal Oak, the Indian Trail was used, and from there to Detroit, a corduroy road was built across the swamps and lowlands. In 1824, the Territorial Council authorized the territorial governor to appoint three commissioners to lay out and establish a government road from Detroit to Saginaw via Flint River Crossing. This was surveyed in 1826, but did not reach Flint until 1833, where its terminus was at the corner of Kearsley and Saginaw Streets. From Kearsley Street to the river, there was a swamp, and in order to cross the river, it was necessary to go below the present bridge. In 1834, the swamp was filled in, and in 1835, the road was completed a few miles north of Flint. The state authorized several roads, including the so-called Northern Wagon Road, from Flint to Lapeer, but its building was slow and very unsatisfactory. Then the era of plank roads arrived. In 1851, a plank road was constructed from Flint to Fentonville, and in 1852, one was completed from Flint to Saginaw. In 1866, another was constructed from Flint to Elgerville, which is now Holly, to connect with the recently constructed, constructed railway from Detroit West, now a part of the Grand Trunk system. So can you, are you able to picture where Kearsley and Saginaw Streets meet in Flint and where that bridge is? Because I couldn't. The only place I could think of, and it could be Kearsley Street, but I don't remember. Like Saginaw Street, there's that, um, there's that bridge there, and but it's more, um, you know, the area where the river goes through and you can go down, mm-hmm. walk down there. Like, is that where they're talking about? That's what I pictured. That's where I imagine it yeah. would have been. I mean... Imagine there wasn't, you know, a giant hotel there at the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, trying to picture. The the weather ball wasn't there at the time, but that's pretty much the area. Right. right? Okay. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I was. Yeah. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not that great on my my Flint Street streets. I mean, I. Right. I know Saginaw Street. I know Corona Road. I know Court. Basics. Right. Right. So then, um, which one is it? Fentonville. Where is Fentonville? Was that maybe Fenton back in the day? And well, now they're no longer a ville? They I don't changed know. their name? I'm not sure. Yeah. And then, obviously, Holly. I know where yeah. Holly is. But trying to like picture in my brain where all of these places were was a little difficult. But, I mean, when you think about how massive of an area this yeah. this was where these log, you know, corduroy roads were I mean, placed. I'm I'm thinking of, you know, Dixie Highway and Telegraph Road and all that building upwards. They said, you know, from T- Toledo and Monroe and yeah. all that up towards Flint. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that place where you walk down and into the like by the river in Flint, I think is probably like the lowest place in the area. So I would, I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it was something else before it was sort of a uh, a city center area there. Yeah. It's so crazy. To, have to contact the Flint Historical Society and break this news to them. Let them know, hey, you got a plank road in, in your midst. It would be a corduroy road. Corduroy road. But yeah, it would be interesting to, to figure out kind of where where that would have been. 
So it should be noted that corduroy roads and plank roads are not the same, despite plank roads also being popular during the 19th century. Corduroy roads were made by placing logs, often of different sizes, over a low swampy area. Depressions were filled with gravel or smaller logs, but the roads were usually rough and sometimes dangerous. The logs would float and roll in the liquid mud. Mm. And then you got to think about it. These people are, are, they're not driving over these in cars. They're in horse and buggies. So these logs are The horses are just rolling on them like a lumberjack. (laughs) Exactly. That was my exact, like, that was the exact picture that was in my head. Poor horses just running in place. Yes. And, like, think about it. If it's a particularly wet season, that mud and, you know, everything's just kind of fluid. And apparently horses are pretty scared to go on these because... horses are scared to go everywhere and we force them. Luckily, back then, nobody cared about animals like they do today. (laughs) Luckily. (laughs) Well, you know, for for progress sake. Right. Who cares? It's just horse legs. Push them through. (laughs) I, like, when I think about it... You know, you think about now there are weight limits for vehicles mm-hmm. on roads and bridges and whatnot. Like, what would have been a weight limit? And, I mean, they probably didn't really consider this much. But, like, there had to have been some sort of a weight limit for your horse and buggy and wagon to go over these things. Because otherwise you would just end up, it would be like a almost like a quicksand experience, right? Like, you just keep sinking into the mud. I mean, I imagine a lot of people told their mother-in-laws that. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are you, uh, Tim Allen? I am. <laughs> this is pure Michigan. Plank roads, on the other hand, were made of boards, and as long as they were maintained, provided a smooth surface. They were constructed by laying planks of pine or oak, 8 to 16 feet long and 3 to 4 inches thick, across sleepers or stringers, which were placed parallel to the direction of the road. Ditches were dug on either side of the road to provide proper drainage. One article I read stated that you could hear a wagon coming from a mile away on a plank road because it would just be like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I know. Like, it was funny reading that, reading about that because I was thinking about the noise. And then it was, it dawned on me like, we, like, when you're outside now, you can hear mm-hmm. so much stuff, right? Like, where we live is a very busy area. We're right next, I mean, we're practically on top of the expressway. Mm-hmm. We're on. The major right road telegraph. And, and, yeah. yeah. So through the, throughout the summer, I was just talking to my friend Lauren about this last night. Throughout the summer, you hear cars racing up at like practically drag racing. Motorcycles. There's, everyone. Yeah. There's yeah. all sorts the motor of. Motor City, baby. Right. There's all sorts of noise in the air, just like atmospheric mm-hmm. noise that we can hear. And then I thought about what it must have been like then. Like they didn't have the airplanes flying overhead all the time like we do. Mm -hmm. They didn't have automobiles making all sorts of noise. They didn't have factories, you know, and with like different banging sounds happening when a semi pulls up with a load of stuff. And you know what I mean? Like they didn't have all of that stuff. But they had these plank roads <laughs> and, these, and these wooden wheels on wagons and, and horse hooves mm-hmm. clopping around. <laughs> I, am, I wonder if you had teenagers at the time trying to figure out how to make everything louder, too. Right. <laughs> like just dragging cans. Right. To let everyone right. know that the teenagers are in town yeah. living their life and they're not going to listen to your rules. Right. Isn't that just a weird thing to think about? Like yeah. how different the atmospheric noise must have been? Just like 
Probably still hear wolves howl at night. Probably. I mean, when I lived up north, you could hear coyotes at night sometimes. But but yeah, just just the thought of like, and then you remember that Monty Python where they bang the coconuts together, pretending to be horse hooves, okay. galloping. You don't remember that? Sure, I do. Anyways, that's kind of my thought process okay. on that. <laughs> Anyways, I'm tired. Most highway authorities claim that the plank road was introduced in the U.S. in New York in 1844. However, there seems to be some pretty conclusive evidence that seven years earlier in 1837, the Michigan State Legislature granted a charter to the Detroit, Plymouth, and Ann Arbor Turnpike Company for a, quote, timber road made of good, well-hewn timber. Hot dog. So we're going to go ahead and claim that one for Michigan. Wood roads were an invention of Michigan. Yeah, there we go. We've done it all. Another feel-good story from Michigan. You wood got roads. It. So by extra, extra wood roads. Extra, extra, read all about it. Anyway, by 1844, the legislature had uh, authorized the construction of plank roads, which were also known back then as turnpikes, from Detroit to Port Huron, and from Sylvania, Ohio to Blissfield, Michigan. Two years later, charters were given to the Corona and Northampton and the Marshall and Union City Plank Road Companies. So great had interest become in the construction of privately owned turnpikes that in 1848, the state legislature passed a general plank road law. It was no longer necessary to get a special charter from the legislature in order to build and operate a plank road. The new law provided that any company could operate a plank road as long as it was constructed to meet certain specifications. The road was to be two to four rods wide, 16 feet of which was to be a, quote, good, smooth, permanent road, well-drained by ditches on either side, end quote. So basically, the state of Michigan was just like, yeah, you want to build a road? Go ahead, build a road. (laughs) And then we just later went back and paved them all at at taxpayer expense. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've heard people complain about the... uh, the layout of roads in Michigan before. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, generally, a lot of people adhere to a grid structure. Mm-hmm. I know Detroit is kind of confusing to people because it, it all radiates out. Right. Like, all the, like, there's like five major roads that radiate out from downtown. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. That throws people off for some reason. I mean, you know, I guess I've never, never really thought too much about the layout of Michigan roads, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, it is what it is. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to complain about it. I'm going to get myself all worked up over it. Right. I, I mean, still everything... have to drive places. I still, like, there's not, like, what can be done at this point? Everything's pretty much, you know, north, south, east, west. I, psh, I don't know. It doesn't seem a problem to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm still able to get where I need to go. And, I mean, honestly, like, the problem isn't the the, the layout of the roads. It's the fact that we're constantly... How do I put this without sounding like a jerk? Uh, we're overpopulated. You know what I mean? Like, the problem isn't the roads. The problem is the people. You just got too many people for the infrastructure. Right, exactly. Our infrastructure hasn't kept pace. Exactly. So it's it's like the layout of the roads is fine. I mean, the construction of the roads isn't great, mm-hmm. obviously. But there's also... Well, no, I'm not going to get that deep into it. But anyways, I, I find the layout of our roads fine. I'm able to get where I need to go in a relatively yeah. easy, you now, know. What do you think about turnabouts? Turn the turnarounds, turnabouts. What do you call them? Michigan left. No, the uh, the turning the, circles. The, oh, the roundabouts. Roundabouts. There you go. I yeah. hate those things. 
And the reason why I hate those things is because too many people don't understand how to drive on them. Yeah. I, when I was in driver's training, which admittedly it was quite a long time ago, they didn't teach us about roundabouts. Again, we didn't have them back then. Well, and I lived in, I lived in, you know, BFE. Like yeah. we didn't have roundabouts up there. So it was, it was all a new thing to me when I moved into the city. And then it's like, whoa, what is this big circle in the road? You know? So there wasn't any instruction on how to drive on them. Mm-hmm. I know how to drive through them because I've looked it up on the internet. You know, I've yeah. done my own quote unquote research. I mean, I would say, you know, they, they were a fad uh, from like the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. And my problem with them, I think they're great if put in the right spot, but I think too many people saw it as a, a good solution for uh, roads that, that, that were overpopulated. Like, yeah. I've seen these, you know, put on, you know, four lane roads. What's the which area is just over ridiculous there, to me. Um, West Bloomfield yep, area. That's what I'm thinking of. Orchard Lake Orchard and 14 Lake Mile. Orchard Lake and 14 Mile. There's like six roundabouts yeah. in, like literally in a row right there. And it's. It's dangerous and it's terrifying. There's a exit off of 23 in Brighton too, the like the in south of Brighton where you exit into a a roundabout and go right into another one. Oh yeah. And yeah. The first time I did it scared me. I thought I was going to do like a figure eight through this whole thing. It is terrifying and people don't understand how they work. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's like we've all got the same side or same sign on our side that says yield, but we don't really know when we're supposed to yield or where we're when we're supposed to go. Like literally, if you've never, if you don't understand how to use a roundabout, look it up. Like the yeah. information is there, and it's fairly simple. I jumped a roundabout once. <laughs> I know you did. It was early in the morning. There were no other cars on the road, and I just was really tired. <laughs> and I just was driving, saw it was a roundabout. There's no one around, and for some reason, my brain said. Not this morning. We go straight. So I and I hit the curb and I jumped. I caught air and everything. Yeah, I know. Evil. Like, chill out. I. The audience didn't know, so that's why I was retelling the story. But. <laughs> I am so upset with you for telling me that story so long ago because every time I approach a roundabout, it's what I think of. It's like, am I going to screw something up and, <laughs> and jump this thing? Like, was it just a total brain Mar- fart? I just <laughs> like decided. <a> <laughs> I just decided just to go straight. <laughs> I, I hit the roundabout and went straight. I mean, I guess it's better than turning left in the roundabout, but... I wasn't even in the vehicle, and I am traumatized by that story. <laughs> the amazing thing was I, I just kept driving afterwards. Like, nothing happened. I don't know happened. why your car didn't, like... <laughs> well, let's be honest about that car. It's been sitting in the driveway for two years. Might have something to do with it. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so... Google it. Figure out how to drive through a roundabout because, I mean, I imagine that they're probably pretty pretty handy and and whatnot if you know how to use them. But In low know, low population density areas, yeah. they're great. Yeah, that area on Orchard and Fourteen Mile is so so right. Scary. They use that to, and it's not just Orchard and Fourteen. It's Orchard Fourteen and uh, what's that that road that comes up off of uh, the lodge? Why can't I can't think of it right now. I don't know, but there's a couple of them right over there that are just, it's just too much. Northwest Highway. Okay. Yeah. Like it all connects right there and it's just, that was a busy intersection when you had a traffic light and then you took that away and you put in a, a traffic circle. It's Yikes. I do believe that intersection was on a list of like top 10 most dangerous intersections in Michigan. And if I remember correctly, like almost half of those 
intersections were all in the metro detroit area yeah but yeah i do believe that's one of them that's most dangerous meaning the most accidents or incidents happening ford and haggerty is a big one too probably probably by the by the ikea yeah you know interestingly enough uh where my grandma lives over in she lives in the village of lenin and the crossroads there the main crossroads there are 21 and 13 Mm -hmm. which you wouldn't really consider that to be a dangerous area but it is it's one of the most dangerous areas also for some reason and it's just a standard street light you know it's just a regular traffic light but there are so many accidents there people just i guess people just feel like they can beat beat the light and Mm -hmm. the problem is is that 21 and 13 when you get off the expressway there it's the way into Saginaw, which means that there's a lot of semis coming through, you know, a lot of things being transported through there and people aren't paying attention and they think they can beat the light and they go and then they get smacked by a semi truck and it's, it's super dangerous, but it's literally just a regular old corner. It doesn't make sense to me. It's insane. All right. So back to these plank roads, private control of plank roads reflected the failure of state and local governmental units to provide an adequate highway system. Local units of government made feeble attempts to build roads, but the total results were hopelessly inadequate. Plank roads were initially extremely popular, but the craze did not last long. Plank roads only remained in good condition for about three to four years, and then they needed constant attention. Planks loosened, warped, and decayed and needed to be replaced often. By 1900, only 23 of the original 89 plank roads in the state were still in operation, and of these, only a short stretch of Detroit Howell Road was actually made of planks. In the first decade of the 20th century, the remaining private roads, coming increasingly under public scorn, were turned over to the state or purchased by straight street railway companies. So I wonder if Old Plank Road that I'm thinking of that's out there near Novi and Wixom, if that's that old one from Detroit to Howell. It sounds like it probably is. Could be. Yeah. It's good to know, too, Michigan, 150 years of fix a damn road. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same <laughs> thing when I was doing my research. I was like, huh, well, this is fun. Like, history just has a way of repeating itself. Yeah. They really just should be the state motto, fix the damn roads. Just forever. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, I can understand part of the problem. Like, our weather system in Michigan is not nice mm-hmm. to the roads that we have to, you know, to the, to the, I shouldn't say to the roads, but to the supplies needed to create the roads, mm-hmm. right? The constant thawing and freezing and, and whatnot. Salting and- right. It, it takes a toll. But it's like, there's got to be something, some material somewhere that will there help is and apparently it's in canada yeah i don't know i mean canada they've got roads they've got a deal <laughs> that's worse true than we they do. do have roads <laughs> so i mean you know let's talk to canada about these roads it is interesting how you never really hear like michigan roads are a joke everywhere right like everybody knows oh i don't know it's probably every state's road is a joke in that but state I, I would... here in new mexico these roads are terrible I've never, I mean, I've never heard anybody say anything like that. And living in, living down south, I don't recall the roads yeah, being. Yeah, because potholes are, are very much a, you know, cold weather phenomenon. Right, right. I'm sure New Jersey people bit, complain about their potholes. Maybe, but I mean, it's just, 
it's a well-known thing that Michigan is constantly dealing with road issues. And mm-hmm. it's very strange to me that we don't hear we don't hear that stuff from other places. What about like I mean, I don't know, this might sound really stupid and naive of me. I don't know how other countries, you know, how their weather's weather systems are and whatever, but like some other like other countries have brick roads mm-hmm. that seem to I mean, these are brick roads that have been around since the beginning of time. What is what's What's the construction situation on those? I don't think you see a lot of driving on brick roads. I think they're more pedestrian okay. roads. Um, also, from what I understand, in Europe, they um, they 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 put down more uh, more asphalt when they make roads. You know, their roads are basically like twice the thickness of our roads. Okay. So that helps, you know, with cracks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, it's just something I heard. I mean, there's there's just got to be. With all the technology, like we're sending, we're sending people to space. Like, why can't we figure this out? You we know, it's just always a money thing and a budget thing, and you know, an infrastructure thing. Like, we're just these roads were built as cheaply as humanly possible. You know, how many decades ago, and then just patched ever since. But why? I mean, that's I of course, you know, like I said, the plank roads were were popular for a short time. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, a couple of, you know, a good couple of years, but still relatively short period of time. But they finally realized it was way more expensive to continue to repair these mm-hmm. small sections that were being damaged. And so that's why they were like, you know, we're not doing this anymore. We're getting rid of these plank roads. We're, you know, moving on to something something else. Why is it that we haven't figured that out? Like we're spending, I mean, how many millions of dollars are being spent on these roads every year to to fix something as opposed to finding a long-term solution like if you're spending seven million dollars every year for 10 years Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and i'm i'm not going to pretend to understand at all like what goes into replacing a road or repairing a road or finding another solution because i don't i have zero concept of that but i'm just saying like if the numbers show that you're spending seven hundred million dollars over a certain period of time and it's gonna cost six hundred and fifty million to have a long term solution, wouldn't it be better just to go save that fifty million? Or even if you're spending an additional fifty million. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean like, it, but it's hard to say because roads, you know, no matter what you do, they're always gonna suffer from wear and tear. Yeah. And luckily the the way the budget's set up is you know, it's statewide. So, you know, you go up to the UP, there's places that, you know, you pave the roads once, you'll probably never need to pave them again because they don't see enough traffic. Yeah. But then you come down here to Detroit, Pothole City on, on the, you know, most major roads always tore up. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, luckily the the, the state budget allows for the, the most damaged roads to be repaired versus, you know, money just sitting around, you know, in, in counties that don't need their roads repaired. Sure. We have a bad. Yeah. And every day when I go to... What's really bad, you know the roads are bad when you're driving someplace and you know exactly where all the potholes are. Mm-hmm. Like, because your your mind has already engraved that into your memory. Mm-hmm. And so I know exactly where to drive on the way to and from work every day. I know which lanes to get over into at certain times because of where the potholes are. 
Like, it's insane. And I was thinking about that on my way home last night. Just, you know, wow, you know where all the, <laughs> you yeah. know exactly where all the potholes are. You have not hit a single hole. And it's dangerous to drive the way that I do because I'm dodging potholes. But I keep seeing people posting photos on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. of these bent rims and these cars that are completely destroyed because they have driven into an actual crater in the road and it's like oh no that is not happening to me like i've had enough problems with this car i am not that's not going to be my situation so i'm you know i'm weaving all over the place it's like it's insane the way that i have to drive but like i said muscle memory (laughs) i know where all the holes are now right (laughs) you know and i hope they fix them soon because it's getting real sketchy out there they won't You'll see some people slapping some tar in it, but... Yeah. So that's basically the beginning of... I mean, I could have gone way, way, way back and talked about Indian foot trails, but I think Mm -hmm. that deserves its own episode. But that's... Corduroy and Plank Roads are pretty much... You know, that's when... Where all our trouble started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's and also... And then a young man named Henry Ford decided he was going to build automobiles. And yeah. that's where this trouble continued. It's it's interesting, though, to think about, you know, the, the interstate didn't open up until the 50s, right? Like mm-hmm. 1953, I want to say. Maybe it was 56. Close enough. We know it was the 50s. Yeah, in the 50s. Post-war. But you think about, like... The roads that they were driving on Mm -hmm. as far back as the 1800s and then, you know, how long it took to figure out an interstate system. And I mean, we'll talk more about transportation and stuff because there's a lot to it. But it's just crazy to think of corduroy and plank roads being something that was that we were doing in the 1800s. And then it took 100 plus years to get to interstates and yeah i mean well they were they didn't imagine trucks right you know and automobiles yeah back then it's just a really neat thing to think about so that's pretty much it for the beginning of our transportation in michigan talks i'm sure there'll be many many more so if you've ever if you've discovered a corduroy or plank road if you know somebody you know, maybe maybe you did go and pick up some of those logs in in battle creek we'd like to hear about it or if you have a solution to the roads <laughs> that we have now, give us a call. We'll we'll call the right people. We'll get we'll if get. You can fix these dang things. <laughs> fix them. Let's do it. So that's it for today. So you're gonna go to bed so you can go to work, okay, and I am going to sit on the couch and stare at the television. All right, it's TMI for everybody. All right, you guys be safe out there. Watch out for those holes, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Great Lakes Confidential Sisters Show, Great Lakes Celebrates, will be available for your listening pleasure on April 1st, 2022. A podcast with a late-night talk show format, Great Lakes Celebrates will feature the people of Michigan, showcasing the fun, interesting, hardworking, talented folks that make our state the best in the Midwest. Are you a person that fits into one or more of those categories? Now is the time to toot your own horn. Send an email to contact at joyroadmedia.com and let's schedule an interview. Hosted by Elena Gonzalez with co-host Mike Bobbitt, this show is guaranteed to make you want to celebrate.